Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answerman. I am Bobby Cool Daddy Slick Breeze, and I have with me my amazing co-hosts Robert McCall and Eric Oakley. What's good? good yep, that's how we're going to Might as well so get pissed early in the yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and set the mood to... <laughs> I was having a fine yeah. day until now. <laughs> how are them cookies tasting now, Robert? No, my gosh. Good thing. I, I finished them already or oh, okay. I would have some comfort left. <laughs> right. Now they're gone. <laughs> All right. So we're back with another episode. Today is February 7th. So glad to have you guys back. Did you? Okay. So we experienced quite a bit of snow here in the Midwest, right? Oklahoma and Kansas. I know got some. I was looking at my uh, security cameras from my house in Emporia. Did you get any of this in Texas, Robert? Uh, we had a little bit of ice. That was it. And like, so HEB is a grocery store down here that yeah. is one of my customers at, um, at work. And they called and were like, hey, for this ice storm, we need to be ready for every store in Texas to need porta potties in case they don't have uh, water. And every store of theirs in Texas is like 90. <laughs> so, so I had to like scramble and try and get ready. And then it ended up just not being a big deal. Oh, wow. um, that's so. So I sold zero of them, but I would rather do that than have my whole weekend just be selling and getting things places. So nice. it was fine. Now, uh, but yeah, the, the roads weren't that. I mean, they were bad on Thursday, but that was it. After that, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, we had like two gotcha. days of bad roads, but then after that, it, the it melted pretty good. So, Eric, I'm sure in Florida, you guys probably had to put on long sleeve T-shirts or something, you know, couldn't wear. Uh, we had anymore. actually actually we actually had some pretty pretty cold days but not like for for florida cold days like in the 40s and rainy and different things like that so it was like uh, enough to be uncomfortable but not to the level of what you guys were experiencing so gotcha. like yeah. we should be we should be thankful but also it still wasn't like ooh sunshine and rainbows for us it was still right. pretty pretty bad if you will gotcha. but you know yeah so i i know i didn't get any disc golf in but uh robert i'm you probably didn't get any disc golf in but eric i know you did because you actually had an event that you ran how did that go uh i it was fantastic we did i worked with uh michael morgan uh, who works for uwf and is a big uh he's the course designer for the course at the university of western florida uh zach benson was like kind of a co-td he did a lot of the logistical side more like actually the td uh of the event uh uh, and it's called the, it was called the Open. We did just a unsanctioned doubles uh, with unsanctioned flex start singles on Friday, but the weather was terrible on Friday. Um, and we broke it into multiple different pools where we had, uh, you know, more uh, the amateurs uh, divisions played on on Saturday outside of advanced, and then the Open divisions played on Sunday. We offered up a mixed division. We did a lot of merch payout. We did a lot of. Um, we did a lot of CTPs. We, you know, worked with the course to make a more difficult layout. It was super fun. Um, and, you know, I got to play uh, on Sunday a little bit, which was super, it was just awesome to, uh, to see that. And yeah, the Saturday filled completely. Sunday had a couple extra spots open, but I expected that because, you know, there's, you know, filling out full pro division is not always the easiest for just unsanctioned doubles and things like that. So, but you know, Tyler Searle was out there with his RV, South 64, um, you know, helping out. So it was uh, all in all on that aspect, just an 
an amazing weekend. The open went great. The support we felt was awesome. It felt really cool to provide a tournament and an event for uh, for Pensacola area. And uh, the goal for going the goal going forward is to continue uh, the open uh, and grow it to be even bigger and better. Uh, the coolest part was is we took a hundred percent of the pay in and put it to the payout. We took, you know, it was even the pro divisions, you know, we paid 50% all divisions. Uh, so we, we made it a little bit more, you know, it was nice to, to pay deeper and uh, to just give everything back. Um, it was great. We, you know, I ate the course fee uh, and a couple other fees just to, to provide the experience for the players. So um, the goal for next year is to, you know, get players packs and get other sponsors involved for the event with some course, um, uh, what's it called with some uh, whole sponsors and different things like that. So we'll be able to put even more into the payouts of all divisions and kind of allow for it to, to grow even bigger. So I think that will be really fun. So I was uh, very happy. And again, without Michael Morgan, Tyler Searle and Zach Benson, uh, the event wouldn't have uh, happened. So they were amazing. So I apologize if you already said it, but how many people uh, played? Uh, probably over the two days, like over a hundred. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we had seventy-two on Saturday, a full field of seventy-two on Saturday. Um, and then it was yeah, it was. I, I'd probably say including you know the seventeen people who came out and played on the Friday event. Yeah, it was probably well over a hundred players between the two days. So it was nice it was very very cool oh also we were able to do i'm doing like uh because everybody who played i had a uh dgpt upper park rebel that you know got sent here and um we're doing that as a kind of a grand prize giveaway so if you were there and you played uh, i'm gonna pull a whale sacks package a couple eo discs and then somebody else is gonna get a uh an, a rebel just for playing in the event so there's a chance wow. that people will get that so it's just like kind of cool doing doing small stuff like that where you know this isn't we're not trying to nickel and dime anybody, and I don't think many tournaments do that. But you know, some some may. But the whole goal was to just have a really cool experience and give more back to people. So cool! I'm glad it turned out to be a successful yeah, awesome. event. Um, yeah. Real quick, just some reminder people that uh, if you want to check out uh, the Chain Clankers podcast, I was on there answering questions for a couple of guys that had a really good conversation for, with them. But just recently, I was on the Night Owl podcast. Now, of course, the Night Owl is part of the Disc Golf Anchorman Network, where we're creating a network of podcasts to kind of just help each other out, um, kind of expanding our audience and just creating a network that allows uh, everyone else to benefit each other as far as uh, interviews, as far as talking about the other podcasts. And then uh, the grand scheme plan is to maybe if we can get this big enough to where then we can approach sponsors and maybe say, hey, we've got an audience of, you know, so many thousands of people. Uh, I, uh, we can offer them that and have some advertisement. So I think that'd be kind of cool. So uh, but the yeah. first one is Night Owl podcast with Shane and Jeremy. And of course, Shane is out of and, and Jeremy works there as well as DoorDisc uh, or DoorDiscGolf.com. You can uh, order online from them and they carry all the manufacturers. Thank you so Thanks. much for their support. But you can find, an, uh, they wanted to interview me, and it was so close to after the Chain Clankers, uh, they actually went even, even a deeper dive into me leaving Dynamic Discs. And they actually, actually asked me a few questions about the goings-on of Dynamic Discs that I had to say, this, 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 but that's all I'm going to say. 
Yeah. <laughs> they tried to get <laughs> in there get a little bit. Yeah, they tried to get into it a little bit, but I don't break. I don't break. You can't nah. break me. <laughs> no, no, it was a good, good conversation. Then, of course, they flipped the script on me and, and, and asked me my five questions that I always ask on my in, in a, a conversation with episodes. So that was a fun oh, thing. Yeah, so. yeah. Cool. cool. So, yeah, check it out. Night Owl uh, Disc Golf Podcast. Check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. Nice. You guys ready to jump into the questions? Yeah, let's freaking get it. All right. Oh, so no. Ready. Tim reminds we got two hundred only 268 more subs till we hit 1,000. So make sure you're subscribed. If you're listening to this afterwards and you don't, we have enough listeners that we should be at 1,000 easily right now. So I'm a little disappointed in our audio people. Not a Figure lot because I'm thankful. People. I'm thankful that you listen. So don't go away. I'm so thankful that you listen. But if you go subscribe, we'll hit a thousand. And Eric uh, Oakley has a, a dynamic disc combat ranger bag that is just waiting to be put into the hands of somebody brand yeah. new. Um, so make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button and we'll hit a thousand. And uh, yeah, that'll be amazing. All nice. right. First question. Remember, as I always, guys, go to discgolfanswerman.com, submit your disc golf questions. We will try to get them on the air. And we have Chris. Chris wants to know, tall, long arms, and still somewhat athletic for my age. I'm stuck Same. around speed That's, that's how people describe me all the time. <laughs> tall, long arms. <laughs> yeah. Nobody here is going to be able to help you with that build. <laughs> We're all short, stocky boys. <laughs> Skinny arms. Uh, it yeah. says, I'm arms. stuck around speed nine, uh, getting a proper flight from there down. What do you okay. suggest for increasing arm speed to reach the higher speed discs? Or should I concentrate on disc selection, intelligent placement, and just be happy with my current distance? He is 52 years old. He started playing two years ago. Chris, just go ahead and give up. Um eBay Dang. is a perfect place to sell it. No, I'm, God, I'm very kidding. I'm a 50-year-old myself, so I empathize with you. But well, the question reminds me when, uh, what do you suggest, suggest to increase arm speed? That actual question came up when back when you and I were on the Dynamic Discs Disc Golf Answerman. Do you remember what my answer was? Uh, no, but I'm sure you do. Just go faster. Yeah. <laughs> Skate better. Skate, Skate better. Um, better. No, what do we got yeah. from guys? Well, as a tall guy, I mean, I don't have any experience doing this, but I've uh I've seen tall players throw. And I think um one big temptation for them is uh just to not have a great time getting into the power pocket, right? Since your arms are so long, I feel like it's easy to kind of get caught behind yourself. And so you're not really getting into the positions that you need to. Um, I would I would suggest think about throwing with your elbow first and just see what that does for you. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to try and throw harder. You don't have to try and throw faster. Just lead with your elbow and see see what happens. See if that helps you out a little bit. Um, it's going to make your, it's going to give you some extra speed, but ideally if you're really allowing the disc to rip out of your hand, instead of thinking about when to let it go, it should increase your accuracy as well. Mm -hmm. The only more? thing I got is you're 52, nine speeds and 10 speeds are going to be a place that you're probably going to be living and dreaming with for, for the most part anyways. So uh, you might be at a good spot and the high speed stuff might just be, uh, adding, adding too much complexity to your game. 
Uh, so I, it's worth absolutely worth trying and getting yourself there. There's no no harm in trying, but keep that nine and ten speed game very strong because you know at your level throwing four hundred plus isn't what wins tournaments. It's it's clean, clean, super clean golf, getting up and down for your pars and taking birdies when they come, kind of thing. So. There you go. Um, speak, speaking of the 50 plus crowd, um, uh, thoughts and prayers out to Johnny McCray right now. I don't, I don't know. And Jim Oates heard. too. And Jim Oates. That's right. Um, both, yeah. uh, both went into surgery after having chest pain. I, I heard that Johnny's was a, a heart attack, um, but yeah. I don't know about Jim. So anyway, hope, hope both those fellows recover for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, a really, really strange time for disc golf to, to hear that because we haven't really felt that kind of impact. We, you know, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't lose any of the prominent play people, players touring people to like COVID or anything, or we haven't had anything like that. So this is a really scary moment and puts things mm-hmm. into perspective that we, we need to embrace uh, what we have and the time we have with these people. So celebrate, celebrate disc golf. So if you're ever on any of those debate pages or anything like that, spin, spin the narrative a little bit. Let's get more positive in disc golf. It's something that is uh, needed and uh, would would go a long way. For sure, Reese Powell. I believe it was at a tournament. Yes, I hadn't heard yeah. of the uh, Jim Oates. When did that happen? Uh, I've heard only about heard it. Of- it was in a recent time frame. Oh, Juliana Corver yeah. made a post about it, and everybody was talking about it. So, and so, crazy, crazy stuff. That's crazy. All right, uh, next question comes from Josh. I like to throw discs that I will be able to replace if I lose them. I've grown to like the Opto uh, Latitude 64 Caltrop, and I picked it up. It feels like a harp with a thumb track. I feel it is not as stable as the harp. For me to uh, for me to go straight... What? I am going to read it for word for word. No, no shade on you, Josh, but here we go. For me to go to straight with medium fade at the end, I was looking to get a backup and found they are nowhere to be found outside of places like eBay. What would be a similar disc that does that goes dead straight with a little fade and low glide? I find the pig and harp to have too much stability for my liking. I know what Eric's going to say. Berg. Yep. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to come up. I mean, but the Berg, like the Berg is way less glidey, though. Like the Berg okay. is like if the Caltrop isn't that like it has low glide, the Berg has zero glide. Has like the mm-hmm. is the lack of glide. So I would I would suggest a Berg, a hundred percent. It's awesome. Doesn't have much fade. It's really unique. Um, very and you know there's there there it's a fantastic disc. So that's, I know I've enjoyed the no bird brainer. that you sent us. I've been enjoying the one that you sent us a lot. <laughs> really great. I appreciate it. You're so dumb. You guys are so dumb. <laughs> so I, I was know only exactly laughing. what you're talking okay. about. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions for him, Robert? Funny. Um oh man. It's tough. Pretty man. straight pretty straight with low glide is is tough. I mean, Cenus falls into that category. It's it's lower glide than you know, like normal throwing putters and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I think in that realm, that's probably as close as you're going to get without finding. I mean, it's not going to have. I, the I think there's track. some new stuff like the animal 
and other discs that have come okay. out from yeah. Innova that <coughs> might be. I don't know though. Have yeah, not thrown, have not either. felt, but I feel like that was why they were made to be kind of similar. Yeah. And do that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the animal they, they called it a ranging disc, which is kind of yeah. like a get get your specific approach distances dialed in with a disc like that. So I've never, I haven't seen one or thrown one, but I think that's the idea. Yeah. Stego from the comments. Get out of here. Dude, that was, those are so silly. I, I watched the uh, approach putters video and it just, goes, yeah. Dude, it hits it vertically. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it comes down at a right angle, which is insane. <laughs> All right. So the next question comes from Skeletor. So he's taking a break from battling He-Man, apparently. The Dementors. To uh, I have the power. I'm not even sure if I want to even say this question, but here we go. Yep. Uh, the existence of a cool daddy slick breeze implies the existence of a hot mommy sticky lull. A uh, hot mommy what? Sticky lull. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm not okay. sure how to approach this. Yeah, I mean, got to find that hot mommy sticky lol. Apparently, <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, screw you, Oakley. <laughs> That's funny. All right, next question. This one comes from Tim. My question has to do with power and disc selection when throwing uphill or downhill. This is from Tim. How much difference does it make in power and disc selection? For example, on my local course, there are a lot of hills and one basket in particular is 30 to 40 feet uphill from the tee pad and the next hole is the opposite they are both about 300 feet from the tee pad to the basket but what distance do they actually play as and this is a term i hear all the time i'm sure everybody hears it. it's like you'll say hey what's this oh, it's about 280 but it plays blah 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 so let's talk about that a little bit well saying that is that it it plays to this distance of most players understand, okay, this plays 400. So I need to throw a shot from my memory bank of what power level and what disc selection do I need to throw to hit 400 feet? And that should put me in a, in a good spot. So uh, that's, I think that's where that term comes from a lot uh, where we're always trying to understand the amount of power we need to put into a shot. And mm-hmm. for throwing uphill and down, uh, for main, mainly throwing uphill, lighter weight and faster, or faster and more on the understable side, going up, uh, going uh, uphills. Because you know, if you throw a mid range uphill, you may throw it with four, four or five hundred feet of power, but it's not going to go anywhere because it just it, it it slows down so much. Where that extra speed helps a ton, and lighter weight discs help also a ton. But yeah. um, if it's a wooded uphill hole, you might want to be in those distance drivers because they have more lateral play. So that it can be it's like, oh, uphill hole, Eric Oakley said throw a fast disc, and then you're just ripping it into the woods. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just uh, <laughs> you got to play it right. But I, I definitely, uh, when I was in Utah and throwing on uh, throwing at solitude uh, up and down mountain. Uh, up and down a mountain, uh, I found that when I was, you know, still throwing Dismania, I had a Blizzard DD2 that was like 156 
that I would use for a lot of really, really big uphill shots. Cause I would just, I could get a lot more speed on it and it was understable. And all I had to do was throw it high and just throw it, just basically throw it as hard as I possibly could. And it would climb the hill a lot, a lot better than any other disc I could throw. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's hard to gauge exactly how much a shot plays like on an up or downhill uh, outside mm-hmm. of just throwing it. But <clears throat> If it's slightly uphill, like the hole's 300 feet and it's slightly uphill, try throwing what feels to you like a 320 foot shot and see where it gets you. Um, yeah. You know, if it's if it's a little sharper uphill, you're I mean, you're going to have to ratchet it up from there. You know, you're probably going to have to try and throw your 350 or 370. Um, but then the opposite yeah. is like there's a there's a course in New Mexico Um their last hole is it's like 570 downhill and i put it super close with a t-bird and like a oh, look i don't mm-hmm. throw a t-bird over 400 feet you know it was mm-hmm. probably and i th- at that time i hadn't been playing very long it, it was probably an effective 330 foot shot but it's so drastically downhill so that it played like 330 it yeah it's just it takes some tinkering for sure um it takes yep. some getting used to um yeah and then in the chat sean said why would lighter help with uphill specifically to help the understability yes to help the understability some but you want that disc to cover as much ground as it can before it starts turning toward the ground and a lighter weight disc is going to stay in the air just a little bit longer up those hills than uh Mm -hmm. than something same stability but heavier weight um yeah so, and the reason, if y'all, if y'all are wondering, the reason for the understability on the uphill is an understable disc is it's trying to turn up in like, it's trying to match the slope of the hill when it turns up, right? If you mm-hmm. throw something overstable, I mean, you can it if you want to, but it's trying to turn down for what essentially that means it's going to turn into, yeah. <laughs> where's your, uh, where's your sound effect for that, Bobby? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there it is. Oh my god. Sorry. Well done. Hey, respect. Hey, sorry. hey, respect. Respect. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's overstable, it is actively trying to turn into the ground. Understable discs are trying to stay in the air a little bit more, so that's the reasoning behind that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all that there is to it. And, so, and when working on those, you just need to attempt like. You can't walk up to a 250 foot uphill hole and be like 250 feet. I throw a putter like you just can't do that. Like you need to treat mm-hmm. each hole. And when you have distances on a T sign, it is it's there to help you, but it's not the only thing to be considering. And I think that I mean, that goes without being said, but, you know, just cover every base check, try the holes, read the wind, do all the things that you're supposed to, you know, in some cases throw if oh i think it's 250 but it might play like 350 and then you go and rip a shot that's 350 and you go 80 long then you're like okay maybe it doesn't play 350 try it test it make mistakes and or find successes either way it's gonna you're gonna be learning which is good chaser chaser says i would buy super chats to help bobby buy more sound effects (laughs) chaser that is your goal to get us more subscribers and i will I, for every super chat that you send in Chaser, I will buy a new sound effect, and we <laughs> and we will surprise Robert with it. 
right. Uh, so You're now we're going to hop that much power. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now we're going to hop over to the Facebook group, Disc Golf Management Podcast. You guys can join there. We've got about 11,000 members strong. Um, so discussions out there. How do we have 11,000 members and only uh, a handful of subscribers? Figure it out. You got me. Maybe I need to post more about that on there. Okay, I'll do that yes. more often. I will I will take a picture with a bag. Like I will do that. Okay. Be like, I don't want this. I want to give it to you. <laughs> to you. Subscribe. Subscribe. All right. So we have a Tina Oakley that has a question. Do you have to put your offhand 10 feet in the air for extra distance? Or is that personal uh, preference? It's not 10 feet in the air anymore. Oh. It's more like seven and a half. I've brought it down some. <laughs> it oh man. It's true, though. It's true. I don't know. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. All right. Cody Hare has a question. How tight do you grip the disc on your backhands? Like, uh, uh, so if we're talking distance drives and most like if I'm put, if I'm getting into a disc, uh, I'm, I am gripping it very hard. I'm not gripping it to the point where I'm making my knuckles go white. Like uh, if I'm driving on a treacherous road, I am gripping it to where if somebody tried to take it from me, they would struggle to get it out of my hand kind of thing. And how important yep. is that to your throw? Incredibly. Uh, I I think the more surface area you put on the disc, when it rips from your hand, it, that force and friction acting against the disc, from your hand to the disc, will create more spin allowing the disc to fly truer and in most cases farther. Very cool. Now, okay, so I got a question. I don't have a disc on me. That gummit. So I've seen, I've heard the people say that your thumb should mm-hmm. be closer to the middle. It's like so how important, where, yeah, is that, uh, is that more of a preference of where you place your thumb in the grip or is there an advantage? I have so seen yeah. So many differences of uh, of players on tour where they put their thumb and all throw 450 plus. So I don't necessarily think there is a right or wrong place for me. I put mine out more out towards the plate, gotcha. more out, not not uh, closer to the rim, more out towards the plate. And I think that also gets my like fat part of my thumb right in here. This yeah. little 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 chunk. Yeah. Probably get some good meat off of that. Uh, put that. I, I put that. Sometimes ends up on the disc as well to again provide more friction when it rips from my hand. Did you also? Yeah, need- I'm. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I. I usually pinch my thumb and index finger together between the disc, and that's that's just where my thumb goes. Um, it's just what's comfortable to me. I've seen people, yeah, try and push it out toward the middle of the disc a little. Like uh, I feel like Double G does that. Mm-hmm. His thumb is like way out toward the middle, but yeah, um, like I wouldn't look at Double G and be like, "Oh, he puts his thumb toward the middle. I probably should too," because yeah. he's just got—I mean, he's just a freak of a thrower. Yeah. Um, so I I like to pinch between my thumb and index, but that's just what works for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I will say this: if I'm having trouble with the disc being a little bit nose up, I'll try and move my thumb toward the rim, just like the smallest amount just to kind of tilt the disc down the smallest nice. bit, but it's, it's not much. And I don't know if it's a placebo effect or uh, actually helping. Fair. So there's another thing you can do with your, that's very helpful with the, the meaty part of your hand right here. 
is that, that if you're cooking steaks and if you leave your hand like this, this is mm, what raw would feel like. Feel it. Yeah, this is what raw would feel like. And then if you did this, this is you work your way up the fingers. You work your way up from raw, medium rare, medium. No, you're doing you're doing, oh, it, doing opposite. it wrong. Opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Pinky is the most cooked. Okay, so so raw, rare. So never go medium to the pinky. Rare. Is what we're telling yourself. <laughs> and then pinky is well done. That's what your meat should feel like. Your steak. Why would he ever? Why would anybody ever go to the pinky though? Just yeah, so there's some people, my dad no. does not like it pink at all. He likes it well done. Then he needs Sean never said, to order steak. I'm however, sorry. How, like, don't order steak. Like, however, he, he, he can't also thinks anymore. that uh, Lone Star makes the best steak ever. So there's that. Uh, I don't Sean, know what that Sean is, said, but also he no shouldn't Bobby, have steak. Sean said, no, Bobby, that's not correct. The hand tenderness is a myth. So You're a myth, Sean. You don't exist. Quit spreading false propaganda. It said it on the internet. But also... Also, yeah, so Bobby's true. dad shouldn't have steak. Right. Uh, dude, I, I know that like if you're a chef, you would be upset that I would say this, but I just put a meat probe in there and then cook it to the temperature that I want to, and then you just don't mess it up. Yeah, that's fair. Medium it's rare way is better. the only yes. way to have your steak. Yes. Take it off at 135. Yeah, and I can't remember who, but there's somebody I know that shouldn't have steak. Oh, it's Bobby's dad. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for enlightening us, Sean. I appreciate that. Um, that's really funny. That's just something I've always heard. So it must be like an old wives tale or something like that. There was uh, someone else I thought shouldn't have. Oh, that's right. It's your dad. All right, here we go. So next question. <laughs> that's funny. Why does our, our Bobby's dad says one sixty? <laughs> our six. Our, our Emmer says uh, one sixty five. Or the health department is coming for you. <laughs> yeah, on on, chi- on chicken. That's true. Do you guys do when you make uh, breakfast? Do you ever mix meats with your eggs? Sometimes sausage. Yeah, sure. No, like other like chicken. Sure, I'll do I've steak and it. eggs. I've done te- I've done turkey as well. I know someone that doesn't mix chicken with the eggs because it's different stages of the chicken's life, and it doesn't it doesn't make it's they don't think that that should be happening together. You know, mm. in like a lot of places, they fry that fry chicken. They use eggs in the batter, so as a to help make it sticky. Thank you. That's a good argument against that. Okay, so no, that hot mommy <laughs> sticky lol. We need to keep, no, keep up with her. I don't want I, I had forgotten that that happened. Dang it. Uh, oh, Alright, so man. next question. Let's see. Bill just says, I saw I've completed my reach back. Now what? Pull it through mm. and release the disc. Otherwise, you're just going to be walking around looking like a dummy with your <laughs> discs out to the back. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not back. sure exactly what, what he's getting at on that one. What do I do? What do I'm I here? What do I do? What's going on? Uh, man, it, it, it's tough because there's a lot that goes into what you're talking about, especially you know if uh when you've reached back, are your hips engaged? Um, uh, what are you? Is your front foot down and out in front of you slightly so you can brace into it and that's engaging your hips more and are you you know when you're pulling through are you ready and balanced enough to push off of that back leg into that front leg as your arm is driving through so i think that 
man, that's there's a lot to that because you should be pulling through. You should also be, you know, driving with your core. You should be pushing off off your back leg, engaging all and generating that momentum into your front foot, bracing, pulling through as flat as possible across <laughs> and looking to eject the disc. Like I, I, I think there's any number of things that you should be uh, focusing on. So, um, yeah, I mean, send it. And it. Start there. it. All right. John wants to know Eric's Brinster hop or mm-hmm. Oakley hop modified. Did you always throw that way? Have you tried the conventional run up? Do you get more distance this way? Always curious on the method behind the madness. Keep up the great work, guys. Truly enjoy everything you guys do for the sport. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I think I throw farther this way. I do not think other people would necessarily throw farther if they did this. Uh, I brought it in. I did not always throw that way, but I saw the Brinster hop very early in my days of playing disc golf. So then I guess it, I, yes, I kind of have, if you will. It, I did not throw much in and what I was throwing before. I did not throw any other way. So uh, yeah, it is a, uh, I don't, I don't see a reason for other people to implement it because there's so m- there's more moving factors when you add that. Um, but I am technically generating a little bit more energy into my throw by adding that hop because once I come down into you know the movement of moving and putting the energy into the disc. If I transfer the weight properly and <laughs> the energy that I've built by coming up and then coming down and then it's down and then into a throw, uh, that is a lot more energy that can be used to throw the disc farther. Now I don't throw 700 feet, but um, I throw far enough for for what I need, and I have used it to increase distance and make things better. So I don't know. It's tough. I, that's a that's a hard question to fully answer because I think I throw farther this way. I haven't tried the other way because it I'm in too deep, if you will. Like it would be, it would be like kind of what um, I want to use. Like it it would be like working with Steph Curry and being like, yo, you know, you're offhand all this other stuff. Like we need to redo your shooting form. Hey, Steph Curry is not the best person. I, I was like going to say, Ball. in before Eric compared himself to the best shooter alive. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, it's like when you're I'm in that you. deep and that many reps, like yeah. you can't switch. You can't do For it. For sure. I'm it. giving you a hard time. I know. I, I just, that was a bad example. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to Scott. He wants to know good drill for proper foot placement. I always end up with my feet even or even open up obtuse at the end of the throw, opposed to right heel in front of left toe, acute and can't erase the muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, work on putting a visual aid like a like a disc or a mini or really try and push yourself to the front left yep, of the that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I'm not sure like that. I know how to fix like a straighter reach back by push, by putting a visual aid behind you to reach towards, but man, with the plant foot, that's tough. I, I was going to say exactly what you said. Um, <clears throat> if you are going to the front left of the T pad, it's nearly impossible to not have your feet closed. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if you're open, you would almost have to put your left foot off of the side of the T pad. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, not now this is, this is to practice. This is to drill. I'm not going to tell you always to run toward the front left of the T pad. You should really only be doing that if you're throwing, if you're a right-handed player, if you're throwing an Anheuser or, uh, or the T pad is angled incorrectly, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's probably worth starting with just a one step, right? So Mm -hmm. put, put your left foot in place, put something on the ground, like, you know, draw a little Sharpie dot on the T box or whatever. You got me. And, uh, (laughs) and, um, then step, then just step from your left foot to your right, plant, plant your right. That's it. Then, um, just do that over and over and over and over. Then once you've done that, you can integrate the X step. Once you've done that, you can integrate your full run up. So that's what, that's what I would do. Um, just, uh, yeah, drill on it. That's what I would do. All right. I'm going to have to ask Eric to leave. Oh, he already did. Well, Thomas Gilbert just showed up at our house and he just scared oh. me in the window. <laughs> oh, so and, with the, and the front door is locked and Tina's playing Rocket League and I'm on a podcast, so we can't hear anything. <laughs> so you probably was knocking away. So that's hilarious. All right. Next question comes from Randall. So I use a super slow walk up and focus on my reach back and release angle. I'm out driving most of my buddies and card mates. Do, uh, do a slower walk up detract? What? Does a slower walk up detract from max distance or is it really slow is smooth, smooth is far? And that's his homage to his boy, Danny Lindahl. Yeah, I, it helps. Helps a ton. Keeping it smooth, keeping your timing is really good. Um, uh, there's a. There's just a level of. um understanding how to hit your angles when you add speed and complexity and power you can um you can you can miss your angles and i don't care how hard you want to throw a disc if you put a hundred percent energy in it and it's on a bad angle that thing ain't flying at all where you want it to go but if you go 60 percent on a clean angle it's going to go exactly where you want maybe it doesn't go that far but it's it's way better so that's huge I think for <clears throat> for runups, I think there's a spot where or there's a speed at which it is too slow to be as effective as you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're just literally walking up to the front of the T box, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that, not fast enough. Yeah, um, there's but, a tempo for sure. Yeah, that that that's it. That's the best way to put it. I think. Um, is there, yeah, there's a proper tempo and it really can be slow, but it, it shouldn't be slower than walking. You know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think there's, there's a bit of a tempo that you can still be slow and methodical without snail's pace. And that, that will help you generate a little bit of extra momentum for sure. Next one is from Chaser EK. My hey, man. How do you feel the brace? I feel like I've always been just spinning on my front leg and don't feel any drive. That's a. I would suggest listening to some motivational podcasts or something that kind of gets you going. (laughs) Uh, If if you're transferring the weight and you're not too far over your front leg, where 
you're kind of like falling over your front leg. That's the, that's when you know you've kind of over uh, the timing is off. But if you are able to push that energy into that front leg and then everything explodes through and then after everything has come through, finally released, ripped through from your hand, that's when you start to come over the leg. That's when you know you've hit your brace. I guess would be my the way I'd, I'd think about it, I'm trying to think about it in my throw, how that would work. And that's kind of what I'm thinking happens is that mm-hmm. Paige Pierce's form is one to watch. I think she's got one of the best braces in disc golf when you see it. Cause I mean, she's, she's a tiny human and uh, she sends the disc really far. So it's yeah. really impressive to see her braces. I think a big part of why she throws very far. Yeah. Cause the, the brace is all about potential energy, right? If you if you are already up on your front leg by the time you're throwing, let, let's say your weight is 60-70% on your front leg by the time you're at your hit point, you haven't got any potential energy to put into it. You've already shifted your weight. And so the brace is about keeping your weight back until it's time to explode onto that leg. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I don't want you to think about leaning back, leaning back, and then leaning forward, but it really is sh- shifting your weight from left leg to right leg. I mean, if you're a right hand backhand thrower, shifting onto it, and that hit's going to feel a lot more powerful if you're doing that correctly instead of just kind of spinning on your front leg. We good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. Adam, let's see. Adam wants to know what's the best way to stop swooping the disc. Noticed when I put more than 50% power, I either do a swoop or I throw extremely nose up. Best way to fix this. Slow down. Slow down, build 50. You throw good at 50%, get good at throwing 60%. Get really comfortable then throwing 65% and 70% and build up from that by taking what's good at 50% and slowly transferring it up in power rather than going 50 to 100 and then you're just way off just work it up with baby steps yeah another thing you're probably doing is reaching back too high um when when you yeah when you reach back really high like this then your your arm kind of has to swoop to get into position right um so one thing that I would work on, and it's going to seem counterintuitive because what in your mind, what you think you're doing wrong is getting the disc too low. That's not true. Try reaching back a little bit lower. The disc might be in the same position when you get to right here, but it won't have so much wasted motion with it. And so I, I'm not saying reach down really low, like you're throwing a spike hyzer, but mm-hmm. try and, you know, try and hit, try and hit your left hip height. And just see what that does for you. Um, that's what I would do. Give give that a shot. Um, look at your reach back and see if you are reaching back pretty high. Uh, yeah. In general, that's one issue with that. Christopher asks, I've heard that the Comet is the ultimate form check disc. What do you guys recommend as the one disc to master to get your form cleaned up? That's a good question. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I would say the Paige Pierce Discraft Fierce would be in that conversation as well as a really clean, effortless flying disc. Um, I would go, I, I honestly think the Comet's pretty good, but I think the Comet runs into the issue that it feels 
awkward. So some people won't actually be able to go and like check their form with a disc like that because the Comet has such a unique feel where I think a more traditional feeling disc like a Fierce is very smooth, very easy, feels comfortable in everybody's hands, um, would might be a better option. Uh, if we had to choose a mid-range, I would probably say something like a Claymore would be a very good check of your form because it you should be able to control uh, a Claymore you should be able to make it hyzer. You should be able to make it flat and uh, have it hold the turnover. Uh, another one, which spoiler of the disc that I'm doing uh, for is the Polecat, I think would be a great form checker. I am not even kidding. I'm bagging this disc. And look, say hello to... Hello, Tina and Thomas. Tina and Thomas. Oh, right here. We're hanging out. Hi. Good yeah. to see you. Yes. Yeah, he was right in the window. Oh. <laughs> That'd be terrifying. Yep. <laughs> um, one that I've seen be a really good. Uh, one mm. that I've seen be a really good form checker oh, is right, uh, is the fuse. Um, <clears throat> Thomas Ekstrom, uh, the fuse is his favorite disc of all time, and he, when we were in Sweden, he was throwing uh, a fuse from like one of the very first ones that came out of the machine. So mm-hmm. how many years ago was that? A long time, like a long time. And I yeah. promise you, he was throwing it on a rope dead straight. And a lot of people think of the fuse as an understable disc. And in general, if you, if you throw it pretty hard, it is going to move to the right. But if you control it and throw it flat, it'll pr- go pretty darn straight. And I watched him just tear up the course in Schleftia with with that fuse. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a mid range, I think that's a good suggestion. Um, the original disc of, in this category for me was the Sirius Omega from millennium. Nice. It's just like, yeah, it's just a teacher. If you're, if you throw it flat, it's just going to go straight and finish flat. It'll, it'll show you any angle, any little flutter that you have it's it's gonna show you if you messed it up so that was the original one for me uh then i got to where wardens were like the good lucid wardens those are the ones that i would throw for that just super duper straight so Mm -hmm. excellent all right so uh that was one of the discs that you were going to talk about tonight eric yeah the the other one is all right, the those. Thought Space Mantra. Okay, I might so. have talked about this before in previous, but I have actually tried a different plastic. I have the Ethos plastic. Absolutely amazing. A little bit more stable than the uh, um, ethereal plastic I was rolling. But this has been amazing. I, the, being a little bit more stable, I'm really liking it for some other like kind of techie forehands. Um, mm, techie. I threw, I threw a... Uh, I threw a patent pending fan grip backhand with one yes uh, the other day and it was it was really nice like it just like climbed up the hill held held straight like drifted a little right had a baby fade at the end it kind of like was a good approach shot i shouldn't have been where i was in the first place but um <laughs> polecat mantra dope polecat's actually really good i really like it as a a glidey berg if you will flies very similar to how the Berg flies, um, but also once it get beats in, it gets that nice little drift. So it's like kind of a, a techie, techie, <laughs> techie boy. Mm, like techie. just like, <laughs> I think I'm also going to be able to throw like some patent printing, like just like easy little like turnovers with, with a polecat. So I'm working on Halo polecats. I'm going to keep pressing Innova every 
today needs to happen. Excellent. All right. Thank Polio you, Shannon. Cat. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys sending your questions to the Google form and into the Facebook group. Sorry, we didn't get to all the questions on there. Hopefully, maybe we can get to them next next time. Make sure you join the Facebook group. I'm going to ask questions. So specifically was uh, uh, wanted to get questions on improving your backhand. So next time we'll talk maybe beforehand or maybe we'll pick another subject, put, putting or something. So if you have a specific Sweet. question about that particular uh, technique or form or whatever, uh, we'll get those with, through the Facebook group. So find that. Just search for Disc Golf Anchorman Podcast and join the Facebook group and make sure you join Patreon. Eric, real quick, read the interview chat and let me know your thoughts on that real quick. Uh, mm -hmm. But we're going to be, yeah, you go to patreon.com slash DGAM. You can support the show. We actually got a new uh, supporter that want to give a big, big bag, big bag, bag, big shout out to, I'm going to bring it up on my app here, Mr. Paul Stanley. So thank you so much, Paul, for the support. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. All right, guys. Thank you again. We will see you on the next episode. What's your answer, Eric? I uh, just typed it. All right, cool. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you on the next show.